Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 299. Because the first thing you want to do in a prospecting ad is just really get that product in their face as quickly as possible. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, Gift Biz Gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, and welcome to 2021. Please join me in a big sigh of relief that last year is behind us and we can look forward to newfound freedom in the months ahead. The vaccine is here, and I don't know if you're like me, but I'm really confident that life will look better and better as the months progress. There are a lot of things that I definitely will never take for granted again. That's for sure. I still think it's crazy how the change of a calendar year is such a marker in our lives. Resolutions and all of that. For me, that final ching of the New Year's champagne toast is when I enter full swing back into my Whole30 diet. There's something about starting at that exact time that keeps me really committed to stay on track. Like, I don't want to break the momentum or something. Not that I have to wait another year to get started. It's completely a mind thing, I admit it, but it works for me. I'm solid in my rules and I go for maybe 20 days or so, just enough to get the cleansing benefits out of it, and then psychologically, I feel kind of reset to continue on with my year in a really healthy way. It's a great start anyway. And speaking of starts, pull out your calendar and mark this date, January 21st, 2021, only a few weeks away. That's it. Just circle that date for something special. If you don't have a planner or a calendar yet, no problem. Grab my Inspired Daily Planner, specifically for gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers, so all of us, at this link, giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash get inspired. And again, don't forget, mark this date, January 21st. I'm really excited to get into this first episode of the new year. We've done a number of shows in the past on how to photograph your products how to handle shadows and all the lighting, taking photos from your phone, things like that. But today, we're taking a different approach. You're going to get answers to questions like, at what point do you introduce your product when you're doing a live video? Should you add words directly onto the image or save them just for the post text? Is your product displayed on a stark white background? Is that better? Or should you be doing a lifestyle photo? You don't just want to take beautiful pictures. You want them to perform for you. That's what we're talking about today. And here's how to make that happen. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Lauren Schwartz of The Loft 325. Lauren describes her business as a small design studio with a knack for simplicity. 
With over 15 years of experience, she's served as a creative director and strategist for e-commerce brands. Her profitable ad campaigns have been used by top brands in Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Google. Lauren's mission is to help brands grow by affecting performance throughout the customer's journey. So that means from prospect acquisition all the way through to post-purchase experiences. Lauren, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you, Sue. So excited to be here. I am thrilled that you are here too, and I'm diving right into what has become a tradition here on the show, and that is have you describe yourself a little bit differently than we already did in your intro, but through a motivational candle. So if you were to tell us what a candle would look like that would really speak to you, what color would it be and what would be a quote on that candle? That's a great question. The quote that I really think kind of embraces me is embrace the hustle. And the color that I picked would probably be a coral color. So the reason why having embraced the hustle as a creative, you're constantly just trying to work towards something. And it's taken me about 15 years to finally have my own business. And I really had to hustle (laughs) in order to get where I've become. And representing the coral color, kind of a red and pink combination. Red is definitely all about like perseverance and passion. And pink is definitely more of like a harmony and just kind of approachability, which I think I have with my clients. So yeah, that's basically how I would describe my candle. I love how you combined the colors together and with the meaning behind those (laughs) colors. No one's done that before. (laughs) I really like it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's creative brain of mine. I have to figure out what each color represents. (laughs) Yeah. That's why this question becomes so interesting because people will be like, well, it doesn't have a color. It's clear or it's going to be graduated colors or we don't care about the color. I care about the scent. Like it's really interesting the variations people will bring, but no one's done what you've just done. So love that. (laughs) It's beautiful. (laughs) Great. So embracing the hustle and achieving anything always feels like there's a lot of hustle. And I think now people are saying, well, you know, you shouldn't always have to hustle. Like you should be able to work smarter and do things and it shouldn't be as difficult. But I think what you're talking about in terms of hustle is just continuing with the passion and finding a way to make it work for you. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, as a creative, I think anyone just always knows as a kid, my mom and dad, they were always super creative. My mom was a painter. My dad was a photographer. And moving forward in their life, when I decided that I wanted to go to art school, they were kind of like, well, what exactly are you going to do with art? And it's like, there's so many things you could do with art. And just working towards so many different outlets, I had started in so many different fields, which is basically all of that creative knowledge has brought me to where I've gotten today. And it's just learning creatively, like what works for you and how you can build your business on that creativity. So it is a hustle. You have to have the passion. A lot of people have art in their background and they like doing it. And eventually they want to do something with it. But a lot of times people just don't know what to do with it. And I think if you find what works for you, then really you're going to find that passion and that hustle. Yeah. And you might not land on it right away. Exactly. I'd love to talk about that with your journey in a second. But also for people who are listening, you just get started. You just think that you know what you're planning to do. You get started. You see how it resonates. Like, let's just talk about handmade products because that's the majority of people here who are listening. 
And then you see how an audience embraces it or embraces it, but with a different twist. So maybe you adjust the product a little bit. You're not going to necessarily land it right out of the gate, but you start with something and then you grow. And that's part of the hustle, I think, Lauren. What do you say? It's just that maneuvering and adjusting along. Yeah, all about trial and error. You got to figure out what works for you and for the people that you're selling to. Right. So what were you thinking when you were in school? What were you thinking if you were considering what your first job after you were done with school would be? Where were you going? When I graduated, I graduated with a very, very new kind of study, which was multimedia web design. So with that, I kind of learned everything. I learned video editing. I learned audio. I learned web design. And I graduated in 2004. So that was like forever ago. And, (laughs) you know, at the time, web design wasn't as prominent as it is now. And so when I first started, I thought, okay, I'll kind of work in this whole web design business and kind of see where this goes. And my first job out of college was working for a company who sold POS systems to restaurants. So I did a lot of their marketing and web design for them. And basically, that's kind of where I started. They took a chance on a college graduate and just let me kind of do my own thing. I had no knowledge of POS systems for restaurants. But through my journey, I stopped working on the website side of things. And I actually landed a job at a skate shop doing their apparel design, which was totally different from what I went to school for. I had never learned anything about apparel design. I had no idea what I was doing, but they needed someone to do graphic design for their t-shirts and help build their apparel line. So then that took me into apparel and accessories for about six years where I just designed clothing for big companies. And then eventually I decided I didn't want to do apparel anymore and I wanted to go back to digital and got a job working, doing marketing for some other companies and eventually decided to go with an agency because I figured that would be more experience for me learning the e-commerce side of things and found my passion there. And that's exactly where I am now. (laughs) I'm doing my ad creatives for big e-commerce companies and I love it. So it kind of went full circle. (laughs) Ooh, wonderful. So we get a specialist perspective of things that you're doing for the big guys. And I'm going to have you bring it back down to us in terms of what we can be doing or should be doing with our small businesses as we're growing. That's going to be perfect. So e-commerce, mostly you're talking about advertising, right? Yes. Advertising your brand. Okay, so this will be really interesting. I'm going to start this from basic as basic can be. Okay, Lauren, let's say we have somebody, which is going to be a lot of our listeners, who have their business started, so they're selling online. I'm going to create a situation, and then you'll kind of coach us through what we should be doing. And then, of course, you know I'm going to have some questions for you. But they have a website started. They have a shopping cart installed, so they have a way to take orders online. It might be a Facebook shop. It might not even be their own website. They have a couple of social media channels, let's just say Facebook, Instagram, and that's Mm -hmm. it. And they're out, maybe they're doing one or two lives. If they are, they're feeling really brave about it. But that's all they're doing right now. That's it. That's all they got for online, because we're just going to only focus online today. So here's the story. People are telling them how beautiful their stuff is. They're getting some comments and engagement on their posts. 
but it's not converting over into sales. This is the situation I'm laying in front of you. Okay. Help. <laughs> Help. <laughs> yes. The biggest thing for small businesses on e-commerce is that you just have to get yourself out there. The Facebook Lives are always a great way to start to get a face to the brand, showing people the products, and really start engaging people with what you're selling. Same with Instagram and Instagram stories and Instagram reels. These are all things that are super effective when you're first starting out your business. You have to start to engage your clients. You have to start to engage your consumer. So showing the product you make, showing behind the scenes, showing why people need this product in their life is a big part of selling online. You're always trying to answer that why. There's so many places that you can purchase from. And a lot of times people don't understand why they should purchase small business why is it so expensive? There's so many reasons to have this kind of great story. And I think if you share that with your audience, it's a huge way to kind of get them engaged into the product, which then will start to get them down that journey, that customer journey of exploring more of your products and then purchasing online. Okay. But what if I don't have an audience? Because we're talking about getting out there. We need to have somebody there to be talking to in the beginning. Right. Right. This is actually a good hack, I guess you could call it, of learning how to engage your audience or to start building your audience, I should say. So let's say you're on Instagram and there are other people out there who are similar to your product. A lot of times what a good thing to do is, is to look at the people who are commenting on their Instagram post, your competitors. And start to engage with those people in their comments. Start commenting on things that they comment on to really start building that audience. So that's one step. Okay, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. Don't forget the second step, (laughs) like me. (laughs) Like if I don't keep going, I'll forget things. But I want to make sure that we're clear. So what you would do if you were, I make, I spin my own pottery and I make these really cool coffee mugs. So I would want to go to other people's accounts who are, we're saying a competitor, but I would also say maybe a similar type of an audience. So it might not just be other potters. You're not necessarily commenting on their photos. You're commenting and following people who are commenting on those businesses. So it's the second layer down. Yes. It's starting to build your audience because if you are starting to comment or follow them, then they'll see that and they'll say, oh, what's this? And they'll go to click on it and see what you have to offer. And if they already have a similar interest, then they will start to follow you. And then you start to build up your audience slowly. Got it. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that we were talking about that second layer. We're not just talking about the other people who have a similar business as yours. Right. Yes. Good. Got it. Okay. Number two, we kind of talked about this earlier, you and I, but really starting to look at Facebook and Instagram paid advertising. I know that that word paid advertising sounds very scary to people because they just look at it as, I don't want to spend a lot of money. They are boosting posts that they have on Facebook and Instagram. And to be honest, boosting posts, it doesn't really do anything for your engagement. You may get a couple people here and there, but it's not audience 
members or clients that you actually want. You want people that are interested in the things that you're actually making. So the great thing about Facebook and Instagram is that you can create custom audiences and interest segments, which can then be pulled into a specific demographic. And any sort of advertising that you're trying to do will engage those people to actually click and purchase from you. So do you automatically suggest, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about Facebook advertising, because the majority of people here, I'm not going to say they don't do it. I know that some do, but a lot are super hesitant. They feel like it's too cumbersome. They don't understand it. They're wasting their money because they feel like it hasn't worked before. And maybe not doing it wrong, doing what they knew to do or thought they should be doing, right? Right. Because Facebook likes to feed you the next action. And lots of times it's, well, this post is doing so well, let's boost it, (laughs) right? Yep. I've been hearing for years that you shouldn't be boosting posts. But to stick with this audience growth concept first, let's go to Facebook ads because I think this is really important. What about not selling your product necessarily right away, but gathering a community. Yes. So again, with Facebook, there's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers to Facebook advertising. One of the great things about Facebook is that there's all these different actions that you can take in order to help engage your audience. So when you are looking at Facebook ads, there's lead generation, There's website clicks, there's add to carts, there's website visitors. So there's all these different things that you can do when you're actually building your Facebook advertising. So obviously I work with a lot of large e-commerce brands. So for me, I want people to get that click. I want people to purchase the product. So to take it down some levels, to just get people even interested in your brand, then I would even start at the website level. So getting people to actually go to your website, creating an advertisement or visual representation of what you're selling just to get people to your website. And there, making sure that your website has the information to get people to want to purchase the product. Right. And if you're getting people to your website with the pixels that you can place with Facebook, you can start then retargeting people who have actually gone there. Exactly. And then you start the customer journey. And that's what you like to talk about, right, Lauren? Yep, exactly. So the customer journey, exactly. So like you said, starting at that prospecting level, which is getting people to your website, and then doing retargeting ads, which is basically getting people to purchase the product. This goes back to, and we've all heard this before, like you don't meet somebody and then ask them to get married on the first date. (laughs) Exactly. You need a lot of coaxing for that. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say. Coaxing and glasses of wine or something. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe a couple bottles. I don't know. Anyway, we're not going to go there. But going back to that person who is making these mugs, okay? So the first thing, if they don't have an audience one way to start going is to do some advertising to attract other people. And so you attract them to maybe like your social media pages or go to your website. Only one, not both. One or the other. Right. You start building up a strategy of attracting people. And isn't it true that those types of ads are less expensive than going directly to a sale? 
Yes. I mean, you could spend as much as you want on Facebook. You don't have to spend, like I said, hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can spend $20. You can spend $10. It kind of depends on what you're looking for. Granted, the more money you spend, the wider it does open up that pull to pull from. But when you are starting out, it's a good place to start to give yourself some sort of marketing budget. See what happens when you first start that. And then maybe the next month you up that budget and see how much more you can get from upping the budget. So I think it's trying to come up with some sort of strategy when you're first starting out in order to get those people to your website. Okay. I think we should talk just strategy because there are so many places where you can learn exactly how to do Facebook ads. But let's Mm -hmm. talk strategy, what's working. Gift Biz listeners, we're not going to get off and you're not going to have like click here, click here, click here but you're going to have right. an overall view if you've never thought of Facebook ads before where you might be able to take things and pick up some other good tidbits and such along the way. So, all right, so a new person, so one way that they can do this and I think a lot of people will say, well, you know, dang, social media doesn't work for me because I have a page, I post something, I don't get any engagement, no one's coming over to my website, social media doesn't work. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's Unfortunately, more true now than it was five, 10 years ago, organic reach was much greater. And now organic reach isn't that great. But remember, you guys, this is a free platform. Right, exactly. 20 years ago, before there even was social media, if you were in business, you were taking ads out in the local newspaper. You were attending local events. Maybe it was local sidewalk sales in your community. You were going out to other bigger shows, you were spending money to be able to attract in an audience to become known. Exactly. So the social media sites are very similar to a website. Just because you put up a website and you press live and now it's active and visible doesn't mean people are ever going to find it. Right. So I look at these initial ads as visibility as attracting people so that they can say, oh my gosh, Look at these gorgeous mugs, and they're all handmade, and I like the one that's yellow, because that would be me, (laughs) right? Yeah. (laughs) So that's kind of the way to think about it. And I know this is taking it way down versus what you're working with, Lauren, but what kind of ad budgets do you think people could think of for just attracting the visibility? Because it's not going to equate right away to a sale, but you're gathering in your audience. You're gathering your community together. It's kind of what we talked about earlier, Sue. Like, it's all about trial and error. You're going to have to start somewhere in order to figure out what exactly is going to work for you. So you could even start with, let's say, $300 a month. Give yourself $300 a month to spend on advertising. See where that gets you. If it didn't get you anything, okay, well, at least you learned some things along the way. You could either see that people have gone to your website Maybe they didn't go to your website. Okay, so maybe what I put out there isn't engaging enough for people to want to click. So how do I get myself out there and how do I make it better in order to get the people to my website? And that's where I think a strategy comes into play is that when you are going out to these craft shows or you are kind of selling yourself, like that's what you're doing when you're at these craft shows. People are coming up to you. They're looking at your product. They're talking to you. They're asking you these questions. Okay, so basically on the social side of things, you're kind of just taking out that 
human face to face and explaining it to everyone visually through social media. So you're explaining the touch, the feel, the craftsmanship, the color, how exactly like this is made, like you're literally selling yourself and your product, just not face to face, like it's just through a social platform. I think, again, like I said, it's taking out the trial and error and figuring out what's working and what's not working. So you tested some creatives. Maybe they didn't work this month. Okay, so what's the next layer that I could do in order to get people to want to purchase? Maybe you take it one step further, go back and see what you did. Okay, that didn't work. So what's the next thing that I can do in order to get people to click and come to my website? All right, so let's move this forward. We've attracted a community because our ads have worked. And so we've gathered people in. I am always going to say here, don't just rely on your social media followers. You want to get their emails in one way or another because that's something that you own. We talk about this all the time, so we're not going to go into detail on this. But let's say now we're working with the same mug person and they have a couple hundred, maybe thousand followers on their list. Now they want to get people to purchase. What direction do you have for that? motivating people to actually buy your product. That's up next, right after this quick break. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. Okay. Yeah. So I love that the fact that you brought up your email list because that is something that is super important, especially when you are starting Facebook ads. You can actually take your customer list and add it into your email subscribers and essentially build an interest group off of your email subscribers. So seeing the demographics, seeing the location, seeing the gender, there's so much data. It's crazy. I mean, the things that you can see through Facebook analytics is mind blowing. And it's really interesting to take your email subscriber list to add that into your interest segments, because then it'll automatically build an interest segment for you, which then you can pull from in order to build direct to consumer ad creatives. So that's basically where I work with on a day-to-day basis. So the direct-to-consumer ad creatives that I work with with my clients are very much like get that purchase, get that click. So I think something that's really important when you are starting out, once you already have your following and you have your list and everything, is getting those creatives really dialed in to kind of help you move that needle forward in order to get those purchases. So the biggest thing that I tell my clients when I'm working on their Facebook creatives is that you need to show the product within the first three seconds. When you think about Facebook and you think about Instagram, you're so quick to 
move past content. I mean, we absorb content so quickly that if you aren't seeing a product that interests you within the first three seconds, people are going to scroll right past you. So getting the product visually in front of you within the first three seconds is the most important thing. And I know a lot of times people really want to sell the brand and sell that experience. I think that's a great, great thing to do, but that's what you do in remarketing. You do that after you've already gotten people to your website to click and to purchase. Because the first thing you want to do in a prospecting ad is just really get that product in their face as quickly as possible. Okay, so you're talking if it's a video. No, it can even be a still image too. Well, then the product is there right away, right? Exactly. It's funny because video is so big. Like video is amazing. I do video content all the time. But one of the biggest things that I always tell my clients is never underestimate your product on white. So meaning just a plain product shot that you basically have taken from your website and added into an ad creative. So that's actually something that I do tell people all the time when I first start my ad creatives is let's just have a product on white with a really strong headline. I think that's something that is super valuable. And again, it's something that can be consumed within the first three seconds. So maybe calling out a really strong value prop on the headline of your product, it just makes it very clear what it is and what you're selling, and it shows the product right away. Are you a proponent of flat lay of your product on white versus a lifestyle image? Yes, I am. And I say that because I think lifestyle, it's kind of a balance. Like I said, I've done so many ad creatives, and I think it is definitely one of those things where, I, again, you have to have trial and error. But a lifestyle shot is beautiful, and we all love lifestyle shots. But again, I don't necessarily think it's the 100% way to go all the time because a lot of times you visually don't see your product right away. Do you know what I mean? Like if there's a lot going on in your lifestyle shot, you get distracted by everything else and not the product. Whereas a product on white or a product on a colored background you see the product right away. So it's very clear as to what you're getting, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's very interesting because I've heard the other so much too. And I guess, you know, when you're doing ads, you can add multiple creatives and then see which ones are resonating with your audience too. Exactly, yes. So maybe you do both. Like you, to your point, don't underestimate your product on a white background. That could be one of the images. Then you could have a lifestyle image. You could have another product on white from a different angle with maybe different wording or whatever. Then you wait a few days, see which ones are actually resonating with people that people are clicking on, and then those are the ones you keep using. You drop off the others. Exactly. And that, again, is the great thing about Facebook is that you can have multiple pieces of creative in one what we call ad set which then you can see what your audience is engaging with. And then you can just say, okay, well, the lifestyle isn't working, turn it off. Or the product on white isn't working, turn it off. Then you start to understand what your audience is looking for. And then you can build your next set of creatives off of what's working. Yeah, you get smarter and smarter as you go. 
Exactly. Of what your audience wants. Like going back to my mug person, that's me. (laughs) I'm going to say it's me. (laughs) What might work for my audience if I sell mugs might be totally different than someone else who sells mugs and what works for their audience. So you've got to be careful with listening to what other people say, doing it yourself, and then not looking at whether it's working for you. It might work great. It might be something to try and test and see and then adjust so that it's a good fit for you. Exactly. And it's funny too, because one of the girls I work with, she's a media buyer and we always talk about the Facebook robot. Like Facebook understands and knows what's going to work for you. So don't underestimate it. Like whatever the data they're pulling from you, that's what's working. So don't try to outsmart the robot, basically. Like it knows what's working for you. So trust it and know that it's going to get you the information that you need. Right. Because if you think about it, I mean, Facebook wants your ads to be successful, too, because then you'll spend more money with them. Exactly. The more results they can bring, the more money they'll spend with you and on and on and on. Okay, couple questions more on creative. When you talk about, let's just stick with the product on white, but then you also have some appealing or interesting or some type of grabbing verbiage on there as well. What direction can you give us there? Yeah. So again, a lot of times when I'm working on pieces of creative and I'm pulling that product on white, the biggest thing I like to test, like I said, is headline variation. So it's the copy that's on the creative. Essentially what I like to do is I like to pull at least 10 different thumb stopping headlines So you're saying actually in the photo, not the copy of the ad, but in the photo. In the photo, right. Okay. Exactly. So the way that I like to look at it, especially in my industry, is that, again, there's the different layers of a Facebook ad. And I think a lot of time, creatives, I feel like in this industry, we don't get a lot of recognition, I want to (laughs) say. Like, You really don't. And it's always, you know, you talk about the media buyers, you talk about the headline copy and the text copy. But when you're an actual consumer, what are you looking at first? You're looking at the creative. You need to make your creative stand out amongst all the other noise out there that is being served to them. Because the thing that initially grabs you is that piece of creative, not the headline, not the text copy. It's the actual creative. It's the image. It's the whole image, which includes a photo and some words. Exactly. Yes. Because that's what you're looking at when you're scrolling through Facebook and Instagram is that actual piece of creative. And once you start to interact with that one piece of creative, then that's when you look at the text copy, when you look at the headline, and then decide if you want to click through it. So what is like guidelines for the creative? Or I don't know, is it buy now and the price? Is it handmade exclusively for you? Like what direction would you give that are eye-stopping verbiage on your creative? Yeah. So, I mean, okay, so let's go back to your, the mugs. Yeah. (laughs) Let's say you have this beautiful piece of this beautiful mug, this great image of a mug. And for me, what I think would be a headline or something on the piece of creative, the text verbiage on the creative, that would be thumb stopping, would possibly be maybe like the coffee cup that makes you say damn or something. It sounds so silly, but it's like, wait, why does this coffee mug make me say damn? 
And then you want to engage with that because you're like, well, I want to know why is it going to make me say that? So it doesn't necessarily have to be like handcrafted, those type of, I guess what I'd like to call buzzwords, because everything, when you think about it, there's so many handcrafted items. There's so many kind of handmade type products. And what you're trying to do as a direct-to-consumer is you're trying to get people to stop, get people to click, and get people to purchase. So when you're creating your ad creatives, the main thing to do is to get them to click. If I see that headline, I want to know exactly why this coffee cup or this mug makes me think that. And then going into your website, that's where you can explain the hand craftsmanship, the story behind the mug, the reason why it makes you so excited. That is kind of where this customer journey starts. So I think that's where you can pull from. Okay, so your copy kind of leaves you in suspense. To your point, stopping the scroll. Okay, so it leaves you in suspense. Now, from what you just said, I'm either going to now look at the copy, like the written copy, or just click automatically in to learn more. So again, from your description, it's not telling all the generic stuff and the features about your product. It's somehow making people inquisitive or curious or interested to click over to learn more or to read. Exactly. But it still has to relate in some way with the image. It can't be a total disconnect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to like throw in something about plants or something. Like you still want to talk about (laughs) the actual mug and the product that you're talking about. But the whole purpose is to get people to want to engage and want to understand why they should purchase this. And again, this is all at the prospecting level. So new people who have never heard of you, never seen you, getting them to click onto your site. And then that's where you can take the next layer and move on to your remarketing or re-engagement and then talk more about the value props of your mug and your company and kind of start to talk about the brand story as well. Okay, so just to make sure that we're all following along, I am scrolling down into Facebook. I see this mug with the headline. I'm curious. I've never seen this before. What is this all about? I click over to the website. I see all these mugs. I learn a little bit. I'm not really in the market for a mug yet, but this is really interesting. Like, I'm going to keep this in mind. Maybe I like the Facebook page. Maybe I don't. And I click off. By doing that, Facebook now has the knowledge that you actually took an action and went over to the website. So now with another ad that then goes only to people who have clicked over to the website, then you can get into more detail because now they already know you and the mug. So then all of a sudden, and this is what people freaked out about early on, like the whole retargeting. It's like, I just clicked over and now all of a sudden I'm seeing mugs, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. But I think people are kind of used to that now a little bit. But so then the second message isn't just now another free for all message out to everybody. It's only a message to the people who have voiced interest by clicking into your website. And this Lauren, it's at this point then where you start talking about more of why your mugs are better than other mugs that you can get or whatever you're going to say, right? Because it's now the second touch point. Exactly. So that's where you kind of start talking about, like you said, the handcraftsmanship the time and hours it takes to put into this, why this is so such a great mug for you to purchase. 
that's where you can start to talk more about your brand story and the value props. Cause then it just really draws people in. And then if they didn't get you on the first touch point, they can then at least get you on the second touch point. And then eventually you can be like, okay, I want to purchase this. And there's just so many different layers of how you can get people engaged with your brand. So from an ad perspective, we know that people need multiple touch points before they purchase. Not always, but the majority of people need to see your messaging several times. Like yes, exactly. six, seven, eight times. I've even heard as high as 12 times because they have to start feeling confident of the brand, all that kind of thing. Yep. What do you do with creative sense? So now people have seen that first one. They showed interest. They went to the website. Now they've seen another one. I guess you might see a couple of times a similar ad, right? But then how do you make it so that they're not every single time seeing the ad so it gets tired, that ad gets tired? Right. So there's a thing or a data point in Facebook, which is called frequency. So the higher the frequency in your ads, meaning that they've seen it multiple times, eventually people are going to get tired of seeing that high frequency ad. So a great way to do kind of testing, again, new pieces of creative. What I like to do as far as the re-engagement, the remarketing is really start to go into either what I like to call UGC or user-generated content, where it's either customers sending you videos and talking about the product, or you can have your relatives review the product for you, starting to get either some testimonials. Let's say you started off on Etsy and you have some great feedback from people there. You can pull those Etsy reviews and you can pull them into your ad creatives because those are happy customers and they are customers that love the product. And that's a great way to segment into their remarketing because a lot of people love reviews. A lot of people love testimonials and they want to know that your brand is reputable. So that's always a great way to kind of pull in the re-engagement segment and remarketing is to really get those people to talk about the product and show that you are a really valuable brand. Do you turn off the other ads then? With a high frequency, yeah, I you usually turn those ads off because eventually you're going to hit a certain point within the frequency where it's just too much and people just don't engage with your ad creatives anymore. Then you would turn those ads off and then start the new ads with the new set of creatives, which is the testimonials and reviews and user-generated content. Got it. Okay. And then do you ever, like, let's say after a year or so, would you ever go back and restart those again, thinking that you're pulling in a different audience? If you're not doing lookalikes, if you're doing like interests or something like that. Yeah, you could. I mean, you could retest those pieces of creatives with new interest segments. I mean, you could always test. Again, that's the greatest thing about Facebook is that you could always test things. You can shut them off for a year. Maybe you want to see if they could re-erect some new life into your interest groups and basically start to get more interest there and just try to see if they could work again. Okay. All right. So you've given us some great ideas in terms of creative. And I love the idea about your copy specifically being something that just gets more interest so that people will want to see more, want to dive deeper into, well, stop first of all, and then want to dive deeper in. Could you share what you see as maybe three mistakes that people are making that we want to make sure to avoid, specifically with creative now, I think? Yeah. So First step is always think about when you're creating your ad creatives is to design for mobile first 
and to think about sound off. So a lot of times when you're working on your ad creatives, people are looking on their phone. So your text needs to be big enough in order for people to see it. And then you have to think of your creative as not having sound on because a lot of times people don't have the sound and as they're scrolling through. So if you make this really great piece of creative and it only focuses on the sound aspect, most of the time people won't understand it because they can't hear what's actually going on. So I guess that's two steps is design for mobile first and then design for sound off. And then the third one would be your user generated content. Always make sure you have captions. If you're having someone who is talking about your product and they're shooting it from their iPhone Let's say they're holding it in their hand and they're talking about your product and they're talking and they're telling you all these amazing things, but there's no captions of what they're actually saying. Then people are just going to see this mug in a hand and not understand what exactly is going on. Because again, it goes back to creating with sound off and adding those captions in. So many brands I see will post these advertisements and they have these people talking And you're looking at it and you're like, I don't know what this ad is. And then once you click on it, you hear sound and you're like, oh, they're talking about this amazing product, but how would I know that? Because there's no captions and I have no idea what this person is saying. So I think those are kind of the three things that I see a lot, actually, even with really large brands that people still don't do it, that I think actually hurts their creative because if they don't know what people are talking about, then they're not going to want to click on it. Yeah, I'm thinking too that you lose your opportunity. You may even get in front of people's eyes, but you lose the opportunity because people might be sitting in a doctor's office or are in line at a grocery store six feet apart, (laughs) still (laughs) probably, and scrolling their phone, but they can't have the sound on because whatever environment they're in, that would be rude to have the sound on or they wouldn't be able to hear it. So people will maybe see the ad have no idea what it means or enough information to take another action. Those are really, really good points. So this has been fabulous, Lauren. I really appreciate it. I know we talked about Facebook ad strategy in terms of imagery and ads and spending money and not boosting and all of that. But the imagery specifically, we haven't really dived into before. So this was really, really helpful. And I think it's going to make a lot of people think the next time they start putting together images. And I'd even say like, you can, whether this is an ad or not, this is something that you should be doing. Exactly. I mean, if you're lucky enough and you're getting organic reach, yay. Yeah. (laughs) But so anytime that you're putting up posts, then keep these points in mind. I think they're really beneficial. Yeah, I agree. Share with me a little bit where personally you see yourself going in the future. What's in your heart in terms of your evolution? Yeah. So actually creative, I think is so important and I really want people to engage with that more. So a lot of the clients, like I said, that I work with, we really, really strategize on their creative aspect and not so much on the media buying and that side of things. It's mostly focused on the creative because again, I think creative is key. Yeah. They're two different areas of expertise, really. Oh, exactly. A hundred percent. Thinking in kind of that e-commerce direct-to-consumer space, you do have to have knowledge of how people purchase and how the post-purchase acquisition funnel works. And so I think bringing that to my clients is something that they find very valuable as they're building out their Facebook advertising. 
But where I'd like to see myself go, I'd love to continue to keep working with my clients and really just growing my business. Like I said, in my sort of paid advertising space, creative is just now finally getting recognized as being a valuable part of the industry. And I think it's only going to go up from here. With so many people having to go online, they're really starting to have to think about new strategies and creative strategies on how to get people to click and how to purchase their products. So my journey is that I'd really love to just keep expanding and really just give people that experience creatively of how they can grow their brand and just get to work with e-commerce companies and just really help them grow. I mean, that's my passion is that even working with large companies and working with smaller companies as well, like I just really want to help people grow their business and really get them out there. That's basically my goal. Wonderful. And if you were to direct people to go to one place online where they can interact with you, where would you send them? Yeah. So it's theloft325.com. It shows my creatives that I've done for some different brands. That'd be the main place to go if they want to get in contact with me. All right, perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being here, sharing this information. Now I'm going to be watching for what people are doing with their imagery. Like seriously, today when I get back on my phone and I'm starting to scroll, I'm going to be like, nope, Lauren said that was a mistake. And this is good. And that's not. And that's not. (laughs) And on and on. Yeah, I think you'll definitely start to look at things a little bit differently and be like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Or, oh, no, I didn't engage with that one. Well, that's a good point, too, is what do you see yourself engaging with? And then go back and look at what it was in that image that prompted you to take an action. Because those could be things that you could copy. And I don't mean copy like exactly, but just the strategy that you could use for yourself. Well, thanks again, Lauren. I so appreciate having you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much, Sue. My biggest takeaway from today's show is about the wording to put on my photos. Not to give all the details necessarily about the product, but to tease and prompt the viewer to click and learn more. If you've been around here for a while, you know I'm a great tease, so this is really easy for me. Let me try it out again now. Remember, mark your calendar for January 21st. Details coming soon. Next week, we get to take what we learned here today and dive deeper into Facebook strategy from a handmade maker who's figured out the code. No, seriously. His Facebook page has 102,000 followers and counting. You'll hear how he did it and how you can too. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. If you'd like to show support for the show, I would love for you to leave a rating and review. That is so important for podcast growth and helps the show get seen by other makers. So it's a great way to pay it forward. And now, today, this very first Monday of 2021, be safe and well, and I'll see you again next week on the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. 
my favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 